0: In today's show, we're talking Cleveland Cavaliers, a season preview, an opportunity to enter the locked on fantasy basketball bowl, and we put the koala under the lens. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are locked on fantasy basketball at redrock underscore Beeble, and on Instagram at Locked on Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by FanJuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 dollars back in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanJul.com slash locked on to get started. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. All right. You've seen the Chicago Bulls show earlier today. We've done a Hornets one, a Celtics one, a Nets one A Hawks one, and now we're going to do a Cavs one. You get an opportunity in the show to enter the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl. Warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. (laughs) I'm going to do, I'm not going to go into detail about it. Quick, just you can see some details up on the screen. Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl, absolutely huge fantasy basketball tournament. You can enter either points or categories or both. 50 bucks entry, 18 man rosters, slow draft starting October. All the details are there. I've talked about it many times. I don't need to go more into that, but there will be an entry form linked in the show below in the description on YouTube and in the show notes on the podcast. Fill that out and uh, yeah, but stay tuned. There's going to be a specific question from this show that you need to answer to be able to get in. Let's uh, look at the Cavs. Let's look at their schedule. It is not bad. Their schedule went pretty good. They have 47 quality games. They're a good team. This is what happens. Good teams tend to get better schedules. 47 quality games, that's helpful. It helps all the higher number of quality games your team has, the better it is for the fantasy value of them. They have 15 back-to-backs. That's not great. But there's no one on this team where you look at it as a major problem. But I will always maintain this, is that back-to-backs become a problem when someone gets hurt during the season. There are very few players who aren't hurt that sit every back-to-back. One player last season, Al Horford, that's it. There's no one on this team you will routinely sit back-to-backs, but the problem that you lead to is if Garland or Mitchell or Mobley or Allen come back, is when they come back for those first two, three, four weeks, months, depending on the severity of the injury, they'll sit out those back-to-backs then. like that's That's where the problem lies. So we enter the season with no worries at all. But something could happen at some point where it just cuts a little bit of time back in the rehab process. They have a lot of max weeks, now, conversely, that means they have a lot of lower volume weeks, but they're not as spread out. A lot of teams have got these 12 games, 12 max weeks. They've got 16. That's the most of any team in the NBA. But but of course, because every team plays 82 games, the fact that they've got 16 max weeks means that those other eight weeks of the season are low and there's going to be some lower ones in there. So you know, that, that is worth worth noting, but the 16 is really good. Their playoff weeks, if you end on the 24th of March, they go 4-3-4, pretty good. 3-4-4, which is a max for the 31st of March. 4-4-4, which is a max for the 7th of April. And then they end the season with a 4-4-3. So pretty good playoff schedule. Pretty good quality games. A lot of max weeks. The only negative in their schedule overall is the back-to-backs. And that's not really too much of a problem, I don't think. What are the pressure points on this team for the season? It's, it's got to be. It has to be Rubio because we, we don't know. And by pressure points, I mean when we're looking at projections and when we're putting the drone up the top and looking down at everything on this Cavs team and trying to figure out how things are going to play out, we don't know what's happening with Rubio. We, of course, we hope everything's all right. Bloke's been playing professionally since he was like 14, moved to another country at what, age 20 whatever it was. Two ACL injuries. Really struggled coming back from this last one. And the toll on his life must have just gotten too much. There's no talk at this point that I'm un, that I'm aware of of retirement, but I don't know. I thought that he might you know, take the World Cup off, which he loves playing for Spain, so that's that would have been disappointing, and maybe be coming back November, December, but I don't know. At this point, I'm probably looking at maybe All-Star break for Rubio. Maybe he doesn't play at all. And that impacts... Not so much guys like Ty Jerome. We don't care that much about backup point guards there. But it impacts like a Karis Levert. And then what happens if Garland or Mitchell go down? Because Mitchell's theoretically could be the point guard, but he's not a point guard. Let's be honest. Like if Garland's out, what do they do? Like are they starting Ty Jerome? Do they, do they have Levert and Mitchell as their point guards? Like it's It's rough, man. It gets really rough. The other pressure point is what the hell happens at small forward? Earlier today, I did the Bulls podcast saying, well, we don't know what's going on at point guard, and the same here. I would say it's like a 99% chance that Max Struess, the winner soldier, he's the starter at small Ford. But does he stick there? He's not a very good defender. He's pretty small. He's a good shooter who doesn't shoot well. Look at his numbers. And then there's Isaac Okoro. There's Karis LeVert. You could go big and play George Niang. You could throw Dean Wade Wade back in there. Who knows? So many different ways that they can go about that and which way they go impacts a lot of guys because Struce out there puts defensive stress on a lot of other players. Okoro out there puts offensive stress on a lot of other players. Lavert out there also puts offensive stress on a lot of other players. Or offensive stress on the whole team because of his inefficiency and need to have the ball. Although he's improved his defense. So it's just, it just impacts a lot of different things. And we just don't we don't know what way they're going to go there. Breakout candidates, I've given this description enough. I'm not going to do it again here. But I think it has to be the koala, Evan Mobley. Because I can look at his projections. He's heading into year three. He's already got an all-defensive team and top three defensive player of the year finish, and he deserved it. He's absolutely an elite defender. And I think he's got actually really high offensive upside as well. It's year three. The structure of the team makes it a little bit hard for him to break out. So when I project that it's, it is harder to do. But when we talk about breakouts, what chance of someone being 10% better than their numbers, 20% better? He's got it. I'm not sure that Garland can do it. Mitchell can't. I don't think struz can. I don't think Levert can. I don't think Allen can. I don't think that Amani Bates or Sam Merrill or Tristan Thompson can. I don't think George nyang can. I think he can. Whether he does it, I don't know. I don't predict it. I don't expect it. But it's not going to shock me if Mobley just goes bananas this season and establishes himself as a legitimate all-star, all-NBA caliber player. And that sort of upside that's there makes you want to target him in the appropriate spot in drafts. Appropriate spot. Not too high. But he's always going to be, ooh, Mobley's there. Hmm. Sounds about right. Can we get better than this? That's always what we're looking at with breakout candidates. Is the likelihood of him beating the baseline higher than it is than him coming under the baseline? And you would say for him that's a 2-1 to one higher versus lower. Easy. And that, that makes a good draft pick. That makes a good draft pick. Today's episode is brought to you by FanJul Sportsbook. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. And if you bet on the Miami Dolphins, oh yeah, I know the score now. We won, so you would have won as well. The Super Bowl, it's coming back. It's coming back home. Hasn't been a long time, and you can bet futures, money lines, player props, Tour MVP bets. It's all there over on Fangio. So if you've been thinking of joining Fangio, there's no better time. Put your five bucks in, get your $200 bonus bets out of him and load up on the Dolphins. Do I know anything about the NFL? Actually more than you think. But do I actually think they're going to win the title? I don't know. We're looking pretty good though. We're looking pretty good. So go to Fangio.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. Fangio is an official partner of the NFL and don't forget to gamble responsibly. just realized I screwed that up because I hit the wrong button. But I'm going to hit it again because we're going Evan Mobley, the koala. We're putting him under the lens. What do we think about the koala? Why do I call him the koala? You ready for a story? You might not remember this one. I was at the, you know, when ChatGPT really started coming to fruition or coming to the fore, I was playing around with it. I said, hey, you know, this is who I am. Um, Let's do some nicknames, right? You know, this is what I do. Aussie spin, Aussie nostalgia, pop culture, whatever. Give nicknames to players. Have you got anything that you could come up with for Evan Mobley? And old mate, chat, went, all right, how about we call him Eucalyptus Ev? <laughs> and I went, there's no way we call you Eucalyptus Ev for a start. Eucalyptus, I didn't mean go that Australian, talking about trees. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but we're nimble. We're on our feet, we're on our toes. We worked with it. Eucalyptus Ev koalas eat eucalyptus leaves, let's call him the koala. It is the perfect illustration of an Australian nickname. It comes from absolutely nothing and we're always two to three steps removed from what the initial nickname was. So eucalyptus ev is stupid. The koala is cool but it also makes no sense whatsoever. So that's why we call him the koala. Evan Mobley, the koala. Someone also told me apparently that in Turkish his name sounds like uh, billiard, which I don't mind that as well. Old eight ball legend, Evan Mobley. But that's beside the point. Is it? Or is it the point of the show? No, it is beside the point. We're looking at Mobley. We're going in depth. We're digging in. He was really good last season, but he didn't take a gigantic step forward. And that is because of the, the scaffolding of this team. Getting Mitchell in there. We would have hoped that if Mitchell wasn't there, Mobley would have taken a usage step forward. He would have blown through numbers. But sitting as that number two offensive, number three offensive option, at times two when Levert was out there, really sort of held him back somewhat. He did finish 47th in Yahoo Points Leagues, 52nd in ESPN, and 57 in minus one head-to-head fantasy ranks. All that is fine. But he was getting drafted in the 30s. So I wasn't, I love Mobley. I would have taken him number two in that draft, no hesitation whatsoever. And would I even take him over Cade now? I might. He's already proven to be an elite defender. But the ability to take that step forward wasn't necessarily there. So we look at what he did. He played 35 minutes a night. That's not really going up too much from there. He averaged 18 points a game and almost 10 rebounds. He averaged over three assists, 1.6 blocks, shooting 57 from the field, 66 from the line. The problem here is very, very glaring in terms of his overall numbers. He shot 29% from three like that just has to go up. He took a big step forward with his two-pointers. He needs to become a 34% guy. He needs to start stretching the floor, especially if they're going to gamble with him playing at um power forward next to Jared Allen. It's very clear, I think, that he needs to be a center and he will be a dominant center moving forward. He's not there yet, very obviously, because of things that are out of his control and the investment in Jared Allen and the way the team is structured and you're getting your better two players or your best five guys on the court all of the time is the way to go, even though the positional stuff, it might not be ideal. But at some point, that that has to change. So we look at his numbers, and you can see on the screen, I'm going to get to it in a second, you can see the minus one weekly ranks for him uh, over the course of the season. But if you have a look at what he was able to do in the minutes that he played without Jarrett Allen last season, He was able to get a a, a effective field goal percentage of 59%. Really strong number, and if you can contrast that with where he was, Um, he was at 50. He was at 58. So 59. So a bit of an increase there. The other thing we take a look at is yeah, defensively, his block rate. When he played without Jarrett Allen, 2.7 blocks per 100 possessions. That's a really nice number playing more at center when he played alongside Allen. I'm going to bring that number up as well. He was at 1.7. Like that's huge, right? That's a huge difference. Rebounding numbers, total rebound rate, 14, uh, 13.1 per 100 possessions, playing next to Jared Allen. Without Jared Allen on the court, You see where we're going with all this. So 13.1 without Jared Allen, 13.3. Not a big difference, but it's an increase. The block rate increase, an efficiency increase. Do that full-time. Do that over the course of the season. All these little things give you five, ten fantasy spots. Go from 28 to 33 shooting, and you're another five up. Get two usage percentage points. You're another five up. And that's how you become a top-20 player. The minus one ranks, it was a bit of a rough stretch in the middle of the season, but you see there are many weeks here of top 30, top 20 production. In fact, I can count one, two, three, four weeks where he was a top 20 minus one fantasy rank player. Remember, for the season, he was 57th. Four weeks of top 20, I can see another three weeks of top 30, so that's eight top 30 weeks. And I can see another one... Two, three top 50 weeks. So that's 11 out of 24 fantasy weeks as a top 50 minus one player. Now, there were some shitty ones in there, 117, 120, 180, with some injuries A 275 where he didn't play barely at all. But this is why averages can be very misleading in fantasy. So some good numbers. The other thing he needs to improve is free throws. And unfortunately, they got worse as the season went on. You see, he hovers under that 75. We need him at 75. And it decreases the season went on. And unfortunately, towards fantasy playoffs, there were some real harmful weeks. He doesn't take many, but as he gets better, he will take more. As he gets more usage, he will take more. And if they come in at 68 instead of 78, that hurts. Now, you can always punt, of course, but the more value we can get, the better it is. The other thing I want to look at with him is his field goal percentage. And there's a slight negative trend there. But overall, he's relatively consistent, which is a good thing. He took some big steps up in his field goal percentage this season through his two-pointers. And there is room for this to grow based on threes. The other thing we look at are his block numbers. Started off a little bit slow, but in the end, we were getting big block numbers towards the end of the season. Last week wasn't particularly good, but we had a week there of 11 blocks in a week. And as I said, when he doesn't play with Jarrett Allen, well, we almost doubled, didn't quite, but we now let's say we added thirty-five percent on to his block numbers, which of course is always going to be beneficial. We all know he's a stud. We know there's unbelievable value in Evan Mobley as a player. But when you look at a graph like this, the Darko DPM change, which accounts for the slope of rise of his production, even though that slope is slowly starting to come down, is so it's miles above uh, the zero. So just continuing to improve at a fairly solid rate two years in. And we expect him to continue to improve again in year three as an impact player. And this is when we talk a little bit more into dynasty stuff, but also real life. The more you start to, the, the better you are as an impact guy, the more the ball comes to you, the more minutes you get, the more secure your role is. And we, all, we always want to see that. So while it doesn't always translate, like does Darko translate directly to fantasy rank? No, no but it gives you a level of security. If someone's out there putting up okay fantasy numbers, but their overall impact stats in a bunch of other advanced metrics are pretty poor, you should be looking at, at any time, this could go south through another player coming in, through a trade, through anything. Shout out to Kelly Oubre. Like any of this stuff can happen, right? That's always when you look at consistency and stability and encouragement for growth. I like this basketball index headshot Graph that we've got here, it it's tracking two things: their playmaking talent metric with a percentile graph, and their D. LeBron, one of their key stats to hopefully show in not numbers, overall defensive talent on a percentile graph. We've got a bunch of guys on this, a bunch of guys who I think they're not necessarily uh, equivalents, but they play similar positions, and there are some things that cross over there. So we've got Julius Randle, Zion Williamson, Pascal Siakam, Karl Anthony Towns, and Jarnesantarekunpo you will notice that in D. LeBron, Mobley's basically 100th percentile, the best, if not the best, it's two best, three best defenders in the entire NBA. The one on the uh, Y-axis is playmaking talent percentile. So I chose all of these guys because they all get the ball in their hands as big men and can create for others. So Julius Randle, we know he plays power forward. He's a shocking defender. That's why he's under- 25th percentile in D LeBron, but he's got some decent playmaking talent. But Mobley grades higher as a playmaker. Ball in his hands, he has graded higher, creating for himself, creating for others. That should open your eyes a little bit. Two years in, the guy who is really close to, obviously much better as a defender in terms of playmaking talent percentile, we're talking about. Yeah, it's not not a big. Let me rephrase that with Randall. Randall's like 86th percentile and Mobley's like 88th. He's still better. And I don't think many of you would have thought that Mobley would have graded better than uh, Julius Randall. And then the next one where there's a small difference is between Zion Williamson as a playmaker and Evan Mobley. Huh. Now, the guys higher than him are Towns, Siakam, and Giannis. Towns is a very good offensive playmaker. Siakam's improved a ton there, and Giannis is excellent. Mobley's got them all covered defensively. So what he needs... And, and again, I don't think you would have thought that Mobley was 88th percentile in playmaking. Him pushing up to being 90th percentile, he's two years in. He could easily do this. So what is the ceiling of Mobley? Is it Giannis? I'll whisper it, but yes. That wasn't a whisper, it was the same volume. It, it, yes. Yes, it is. And that's bloody exciting. Really bloody exciting. So that was really eye opening to me. I know he's a good defender, but turning that level of defence in year two with that level of playmaking talent in year two should be did it again hit the wrong button should be very very intriguing to players or to, to even to him as we uh, as we move forward. There's not much in terms of sleepers and busts on this team. But I am going to talk about one guy who might be a sleeper, and that's Dracarys Lavert. Dracarys. I talked about Mobley being a breakout guy before, but I think he's being ranked and positioned in the right spot. If we go, we'll just work it back a little bit. Mobley sits with a ranking on, where is he? Ranking on Yahoo, an ADP of 44, a rank of 41, an ESPN rank of 48. It's all about right. Like that's all about where he sits in that area, I think. I think that's all fair to look at Mobley in those zones and go, yeah, that makes a bit of sense to have him in that area. I think that that's fair, yeah? Um. But Levert, according to these numbers, would be absolutely, completely undraftable, basically. He's ranked 166 on Yahoo. He's got an ADP of 150. His Fantrax ADP is 235, which is nonsense. He's... ESPN rank is 194 for categories, 143 for points. He's got an ADP of 139 on ESPN. But with Rubio out, he's probably going to have to do more. He can be a top 120 Yahoo Points League player. He could be a top 120 ESPN uh, Points League player. He could be a top 130 Category League player. And the value would rise if Mobley or or if Garland or Mitchell went down. So... We don't usually consider last-round picks like a player like Levert, who just re-signed, who is, what, seven, eight years in the league. Oh, maybe he'd be a good last-round flyer. Actually, am starting to think that he is. And he's available everywhere. So you don't have to take him with those hyped-up flyers in round 11 like Paul Reed, don't take him earlier. He's a guy that's going to go there. Or a Men Thompson or a Sar Thompson. He can get Levert with a last-round pick. And there is some value in it. At that spot, plus more upside. Now he can be frustrating with percentages. He can be frustrating with needing the ball in his hands. But the lack of ball handling on the second unit uh, is, makes him a pretty interesting player to me. Yeah, pr- pretty interesting. Just as a an option late to have a crack at. The question for your locked on fantasy basketball bowl entry does refer to Karis Levert and how many minutes did he play last season? So, in the entry form, I just want you to write the number 30. He played 30 minutes a night last season, Levert, and probably should tell you his numbers. He averaged 14, three and a half and four with a steal, over two threes, 43 and 72. That's the problem is the RJ Barrage percentages, but four assists, one steal, Rubio's not there, Maybe goes up a bit. Maybe goes up a bit. But the number you want to answer in the um in the entry form is 30 for minutes per game for Karis Levert. The fantasy busts is empty. I I don't actually think there's anyone who strikes me as a bust. I think there's some worry with Jarrett Allen. Do they trade him somewhere? Does he see fewer minutes? There is a risk of that. But yeah, Jarrett Allen's got an ADP of 60 on Fantrax, 59 on Yahoo, 79 on ESPN. That probably even classifies as a sleeper, to be honest. I think he's just relatively solid. I don't think there's any upside in him, but he's not busting at those spots. I think there's a lot there with Allen just to be safe and solid in the middle rounds. If you're in round five and you went upside in four and you're going to go upside in six, I think he's okay there. And if he did get traded, I would imagine he'd be in a similar role. So I don't have anyone as a bust. But I do have Ricky Rubio's mental health as an injury concern because we just don't know if or when he is going to play. And at the moment, that's the only guy that's really hurt or unavailable for this team heading into the season. And we're not drafting Rubio anywhere, of course, but their point guard situation's rough. It's going to mean more staggering of Mitchell and Garland, which then means more minutes for Struz playing the two. It means more minutes for Coro and Levert playing the three. What is a trade they could do? Well, I've talked about it already, Jared. Allen, I think, would be the guy I'd look to trade. You put Mobley in an advantageous situation, but at the moment, you don't have a power forward who's good. Yes, you could theoretically play Georgie Niang there. That might work, but it's him or Dean Wade. Like You don't want to go into a season with those guys. They'd want to get more wings back. They'd want to get a forward back. They'd want shooting around Mobley, spot-ups around uh, Mitchell and Garland instead of having a coro there. They'd want a backup point guard as well. It'd be something they'd look for. So if they were to trade away Allen, they'd need to get another forward in. they need to get some wings and some shooting in as well. Just watch for that. I don't think it would impact Allen sizably if he was traded, but what they would get back would be very interesting to watch. Two guys coming out of contract next season. Uh, Damian Jones is unrestricted free agent. Isaac Okoro is restricted. Okoro is a really good defender. He's just horrible offensively, and he hasn't really taken many steps forward in that area, and that's why they went out and got Max Struz to replace him and re signed Karis LeVert. I don't really know where Okoro goes. I'd be doubtful that he's getting paid more than $10 million a year, but the defense is useful. And Damian Jones should be the backup center. Well, they're an interesting team. Is They start their backup point guard and their backup center in Mobley and Mitchell. So the backup center is technically Damian Jones, but he's the third string center. And the backup point guard is Donovan Mitchell, but you know, it's technically Karis LeVert or Ty Jerome. You could say that Tristan Thompson would be the backup center. You'd be wrong, but you could say it. For some reason, he is back on this team and they're Cavs legend returning. But yeah, we don't need to worry about that for fantasy. What are the rotation risks? I guess we're going to talk about it, Cora. What if they just don't play him? What if Struess, Niang, Levert, they get all that playing time? I think it's possible. Like they obviously don't trust a coro. But he also could come in and outplay Struess. Because again, let's be honest, Struuss isn't that good. I don't think he's worth 16 million. He'd want to bloody shoot 40% from three, something he's done for one NBA season, to be worth that money. Or is he turned into Duncan Robinson? But there is a risk of a And the other risk of Struess is he's just too small. What is he, six foot four? Next to six foot one Donovan Mitchell and six foot two Darius Garland? That's bloody small, man. I know there's two seven footers in the front court, but any chance of someone who's intermediately sized? And who guards point guards and wings? Is it Garland? Mitchell? Struess? Because none of them can do it. Mitchell's long, obviously, but his defensive focus isn't there. So while we expect Struis to start, I wouldn't draft Struiss in any 12 team format, by the way. Wouldn't touch him at all there's a risk that he goes out there they go, oh shit, we, we can't do this. We can't play these three guys together. It doesn't work. Back to Levert, back to Okoro. And what if they do go small? What if Jarrett Allen, who I said was relatively safe, what if they say, look, it's just, it's not working. Mobley still can't shoot. We need him at center. George Niang is actually working as a sizable player at forward who can shoot. So Allen plays 27, Mobley plays 35, and Niang plays. Or Dean Wade plays. Or I was going to say, yeah, Sam Merrill gets into the rotation because he can bloody shoot. It's a risk with the Allens. It's not a risk for Mobley, but it is a risk for a little bit of a risk for uh, Jared Allen there. There's no one who really translates this as a good permanent monster. Who that like if something happened, they would really blow through the roof. No one really looked that uh, good to me. What about the depth chart? They do start two guards in Darius Garland and Don Mitchell. Let's talk a little bit about their overall fantasy value. Again, I don't see busts or sleepers really with these players. I think they're getting drafted the right spot. Mitchell's going about middle of the second round. It's probably fair. I think that you know, there's no real reason to argue with that. One thing you would watch is that at the start of last season, his assists were through the roof and he really bumped his efficiency. The assists came really down at the end of the year and I expect them to stay more along that line. And the efficiency, can he maintain it? so there is a risk with him if you go too early in round two. Remember, he's never really been that guy before. He did take big steps forward. Garland, it's hard for him to push higher. I love Garland, but it's hard for him to push higher than this because of the presence of Mitchell. There's no reason that in the future, after Donovan Mitchell is traded or leaves, that Garland can be a a 25 points, three threes, nine assists, 1.3 steals player. He can, which is a top 15 guy comfortably. But it's just hard to see how that happens this season. They're going to start. They're going to be relatively reliable. I think there's more regression value or more regression risk with Mitchell than there is with Garland. But Garland also saw his assist numbers drop as the season went on. Because early in the year, the Cavs were hitting or converting a lot of shots at a higher than expected rate. And that sort of came back to normal. Maybe that changes later on. But there was also the impact of Ricky Rubio. Second half of the season being there as a backup playmaker, which impacted Garland and Mitchell's assist. Now, Rubio's not there. So maybe we see both those numbers jump a little bit more again, similarly to the beginning of last season. Their backup guards are Rubio, Ty Jerome. There's Sam Merrill, who's just exclusively a shooting guard. And two-way guy, Craig Porter. Watch, watch Craig Porter. He is like a um, Derek White sort of a player. An unbelievable defensive shot-blocking guard, who's only like 6'3". He's got some shooting ability but it's defense. And if that player ever hits, it's unlikely, but Derek White was unlikely at pick 30 or pick 28 or whatever it was. This is more unlikely because he's an older player on a two-way deal. He's got a really interesting fantasy game. The Wings, Max Struess will probably start. He'll probably score 15 points and maybe three threes. And that's not all that useful. It's Corey Kispert, but probably worse. It's not that good. It's a great streamer. When we've got one of those 16 max weeks of the Cavs, add him in, you might get 15 threes for the week. You might get 70 points for the week and not much else, but you don't want to hold him through all that. And then backing up, it's Karis LeVert, Isaac Okoro, and then Armani Bates. is a two-way guy who did have an okay summer league, but he's going to be very inefficient, and he's barely going to play, I would guess, for the main team this season. They don't start a forward. And a forward is someone to me that is a small forward, power forward sort of combo. Doesn't play center, doesn't play guard. They don't start any of those guys. In fact, they've got none of them on the roster, really outside of Dean Wadey Wade and the big fella, the minivan, George Niang. And Niang is a very good shooter. He's very slow defensively. He's not a good playmaker, but he's a good shooter. As I said earlier, if they do downsize away from Jared Allen, Niang could get more minutes. And then he moves into a Max Struce type streaming guy. As an Elite Threes guy, watch their Max Weeks. Their max weeks are interesting because that might mean Yang gets a lot of opportunities to shoot. And their bigs, it's Mobley and Allen who are starting. Yeah, Mobley's fine as a fourth-round guy. Allen's like a fifth-round player. Breakout opportunity for Mobley, but some concerns clearly as we've dealt with. And their backup situation is Tristan Thompson. It's Damo Jones. And it's Isaiah Mobley, who played really well in Summer League. Isaiah, he's quite a good passer. He showed some shooting chops as well. He's still on a two-way. I would have loved for them to have converted him to a full-time deal instead of bringing interest in Thompson. Mobley could be a third-string center maybe next season, but I wouldn't put huge amounts of money on it. But you can see the gigantic sort of need for a forward. So if Jarrett Allen does go and they do trade him or they bite the bullet and trade Don Mitchell, I don't think they will, but watch it. They need a forward. They just don't have any. Let's look at Durant and Bazemore. Durant was actually down on Garland this season, which is, okay, interesting. Pushed him into like the... uh, Actually, let me just look at those numbers exactly. Pushed Garland to like the 50th spot. That's not great. So I'm still happy with him in round three, don't get me wrong, but some of the metrics may overvalue him, but it actually... And usually Durant downgrades the blocks guys, but it actually likes Mobley and Allen. It pushed them up. It pushed Allen actually ahead of Mobley, which I thought was very interesting and it pushed Mobley out yeah, 10 or 12 spots higher than regular rankings as both fourth-round guys. It also really didn't like Max Struess, so dropped him down. He's like he's probably like a 16-team league guy. For Bazemore, both Don Mitchell and Evan Mobley come out as top 15 players for Dynasty. Darius Garland, top 40, but that's not baking into the fact that we don't expect Donovan Mitchell to stay on this team. And when Mitchell goes... Garland will be top 15 and Karis Laverta pushes outside the top 150 and that will do it for me today third show for the day we're going to get lots of these shows coming another opportunity for you to enter the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl I hope you got some information about the Cleveland Cavs and enjoyed the show Cleveland Cavs sounds stupid it's either the Cavs or the Cleveland Cavaliers I apologize for that uh, misstep follow this podcast Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Stitcher, Spotify and on the Odyssey app and if you're on YouTube thumb it up and leave your comments down below guys We are done here. Thank you so much for listening. See ya. another one